Dumelang. My name is Christine Msibi, and I fancy myself a fan and foot soldier of music and have coined the term a professional music enthusiast. So you're at a dinner party with strangers and they ask you what you do. How do you normally unpack <laughs> how you just introduce <laughs> yourself? Um, well, truthfully, I, I guess I'd just explain in detail that I am a managing director of an organization called Josie Unsigned. And what Josie Unsigned generally would do is they operate in the live music experience in curating it and promoting it and in project managing it. But I personally, as an individual, have just had to take a little bit of a detour to make sense of the pandemic. But essentially, that's the work I would do as Josie Unsigned. So at the moment, I would say I'm an arts administrator. Let's talk about your work today relative to life before the pandemic. So paint me a picture. Um, I'm a bit of a yes girl. So much like I have said yes to this interview, I, I say yes to almost anything and everything that is an, aligned with my interests. And um, fortunately, there was a job opening and I applied for it. And so now my day to day is essentially office work, admin based work, but I'm also working on a pretty cool project that is teaching me so much and I'm getting to engage with people across the continent versus my work before, which was essentially on the street, putting together these things. It was to some extent physical work more than it was office work, but I wore all the hats. So I did do this office stuff. It's just that it was broken up by imagining lineups, by listening to people's catalogs and what they have available and socializing actually was a big draw card of the workspace then, which I guess is less of the case at the moment. So it sounds like you were almost an old world hybrid of the club promoter meets the A&R exec meets the theater promoter or producer is that fair to say? Am I naming things in the sort of business of the creative arts of yesteryear or times past? Is it fair to say you are a hybrid of those things? And if so, how so? It would be fair to say that. Um, I've often joked that I was like a Shabin queen because perhaps how we understand them today is very different to what they were in terms of the musical landscape of those times. But essentially, it is a hybrid of those things. And I... I wonder now because you say that those are occupations of yesteryear um, so that has me questioning what what are those people called now um, but yes I'm a hybrid of all that fun stuff for people who don't know what a shabin is <laughs> what, what is it <laughs> so a shabin is a sort of informal spot particularly found in townships in South Africa where they would sell alcohol to the people who would come and visit the spaces. And oftentimes these were essentially like clubs in the township where jazz musicians in particular were often discovered and where they got to perform. So Shabin is, is ultimately an uncovering ground for talent while also being a socializing space. And of course you're talking about um, the old South Africa where alcohol would have been prohibited in those townships and gathering at, certainly at night with mates 
and goodness forbid jazz music was also <laughs> was also banned right but people yes. but people did it anyway and culture was built that way wasn't it no, true. Shabins were ultimately really revolutionary spaces against the backdrop of apartheid South Africa. So yes, all of that defiance of selling black people alcohol and cultivating culture um, are one of the many things that they stood for. I, I think I heard some wistfulness in your voice when you contended with how I listed off those vocations that I think of within the, the business of creativity and commercial value creation within that space in the modern era are, are not quite what they used to be. So, I mean, if I think about the club promoter, right? I, I mean, these days, I imagine you need a social media <laughs> a social media manager more than perhaps you might need someone who actually, you know, knocks on physical doors at actual venues to get you in. Or am I... Am I just disconnected from from how being a lifestyle musician just even before COVID might have looked like? Is this me sort of buying into a, a stereotype of a scene I'm not a part of based on what I see on the internet? Or was there more to it just before COVID, even in the modern era? The scenes are in and of themselves distinct and separated. So I, I don't actually presently have insight into the hip hop world, perhaps, where club promotion, when I last checked in with that industry, you know, almost five years ago, was still an existing thing. But I, I can see now an evolution where artists have managers. And so all of that really falls on your your manager and subsequently your social media manager, as you pointed out. Um, and so then the question is, who is a promoter in that context? Because that's a title that's been thrown at me um, because it was one of the hats I have worn for a particular partnership with Concerts SA, but I felt that that was so limiting. So I opted not to associate with that, but that was my own personal choice. But I, I imagine there are still promoters out there. Um, but I think ultimately, even the musicians themselves, because the space that I occupy in the music landscape would be the live music space, so instrument um, performance-based space, so no backing tracks type vibes. And in no that autotune. Space, no, no, no. Um, I, I, I have a fondness for the actual creation of music, um, and that sort of energy and the different people who can make it. And I also really just prefer being put in a position where you can pay more people than just the one guy. Um, for me, the creative sector and the platform is ultimately an economic solution to where we find ourselves as South Africa. And generally, it's been used as a model world over. So it's interesting to, just to think of the vocations. I'm, I'm just so unsure myself, but I think you are right. There has been an evolution in what you can call yourself when you participate in this space and in how you participate too. Yeah. And I mean, the artist and repertoire um, exec at a record label, um, the sort of person you'd who would be thanked at the Grammys for being indispensable to workshopping an album's composition with an artist as they were sort of in the throes of trying to express, you know, their truest selves in a studio while also meeting sort of commercial 
uh, demands. And so here's this individual who's able to span both worlds. Uh, this is at least this is the romanticized sick sense of how <laughs> I see this, right? Here's this person who who knows exactly what the execs need and what the streets are ready for, but also bringing this artist to the intersection of where their creativity can intersect with those things and still make everyone money. Is that still a thing? And it, does that describe in any way what you did within the context of a live management promotion situation? To some extent, a great deal. But when it comes to, let's say, an, a traditional label, that A&R guy and the idea that everybody gets to make money because this independent person's creativity has been aligned with those money-making boxes that need to be ticked. Um, so that I am not. <laughs> um, well, Jersey Unsigned was founded ultimately for independent musicians. And it's essentially that if I fall in love with you as you are, like like just as you are, that's enough to make me want to engage you or consider working with you or consider getting you heard to some extent just as you are. And it's it's a bit of a struggle because I have thoughts and I have opinions on how people or the names artists give themselves. I have, you know, but it's it's a lot more rewarding to just let the artist be and be an enabler of that and have them discover for themselves how that goes because I am here because I, I'm a things like I'm here not because I know anything, just because I said yes to a lot of things. And so it's only fair of me to you know, to allow those musicians that interest me that grace to to work it out themselves. But I am of the belief, just based on my work as a curator, that I could do that well, that identifying, you know, I could, what's the word? I could um, mold somebody in a way. That is exactly the word I had in my head. <laughs> I, I yeah. had mold in my head, this idea of someone who can craft um, a raw product into a polished one that both appeals creatively and commercially. Yeah. It's never something I've ever tried to do. But in my head, I imagine it is something I would be capable of. But just for the now time, it's really satisfying just to be an enabler um, and to have other people, you know, venture out and have their dreams happen or not happen. Because part of creating this organization, Josie Unsigned, is that we actually didn't want to be managers of artists, because that's a lot of responsibility. You have to make sure that this particular individual gets paid, like they're banking on you to get them bank. And that was a overwhelming prospect. And so we just devised other ways to be of use without being, without being your boss, you know, just how can we work together very collaborative in terms of the model of the business and just giving people those opportunities who tickle us and tickle my interests and I'd be like "Ooh, you're really nice let's hear what you sound like in full and I'm like okay great other people will enjoy you too and it's just that pretty straightforward a stereotypical mainstream character like Scooter Braun comes to mind famous for of course bringing to the world Justin Bieber and that ongoing monster of a popular success right and so I would hazard and you know that being the artist manager in the way you've described not being is actually the most lucrative way to making your fortune at what you do. Are you not interested in money? Oh, gosh, you know, not to say I'm not interested in money, but it's not a thing that I guess I foreground. But fortunately, it finds me, if that makes any sense. Mm. So fortunately, 
money has a way of demonstrating to me that there is a way where I can be, a, you know, where I can appear in the scenario. For me, this idea of performances and giving people that opportunity to earn and then possibly getting recorded and then being streamed and what have you, it's about the economics. And it's odd that I can say it's about the economics for the artists that I consider myself to be serving, but for whatever reason, it isn't my end goal. But like they say, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that idea where the love of itself sort of takes care of its financial self. And so what would you say is the biggest thing day to day you miss because of the disruption of COVID about what you did? Think about right up to the point COVID made it clear you wouldn't be doing that anymore in the way you did it. What do you miss? Is it the is it being at backstage with an artist at the Carthage Festival or some other um, fantastic place to perform? Is it is it the admin uh, that goes unsung? Is it hearing a, a new piece of music in a rehearsal for the first time and are starting to imagine how it's going to be enjoyed by thousands and perhaps millions of people? What what do you miss? What do you miss? Is it something more tactile? Is it carrying like so is it, many is, things? Is it the merch that you sell at the end of the <laughs> event and, and how it felt on your fingers? What do you miss? I was lamenting to a friend earlier today that I actually miss the live music performance in large part because I'm I'm super anxious. I have been socially distancing from March 2020. I'm like on level five as I'm speaking to you now in my own sort of, you know, what I've managed to create for myself in my life. And so for that reason, I have not been to a live music performance since last year. And I have caught a few of them online and they they do the things, they give the goosebumps, they give the feels, but it's missing this untangible sort of energy exchange between an audience and an artist. And then better than that is being the curator and witnessing other people having like this exceptional time that... That is also something I miss dearly. And then on top of that is having an artist say thank you. Like, wow, I had so much fun. I miss that too. So yeah, it's, a, it's quite a bit. How different would your sort of life at the intersection of creativity and business be, do you think, if it wasn't happening within the context of you being an African? Hmm. It would be very different. Um, I think... I would have probably fallen into this profession or having considered the economics of music as a profession earlier because the interest was really loud and clear from high school when I look back retrospectively. But perhaps it's just not the kind of thing people point you towards, you know? So I was having visions of being a psychologist, of coaching netball, of anything but what I'm doing right now. And it took my unplugging from work in corporate and taking the time to actually work out what would I be doing if money wasn't the end goal? Like if, if I didn't have to be paying bills, if I didn't, what have you, what would I be doing? So that was at 27 or so. And so I feel like perhaps I was delayed to that because I'm in Africa and the idea of work in the cultural sector isn't necessarily something that is promoted, let alone mentioned. And again, I also find that perhaps I came to it at the right time in that 
even now when you look at funding opportunities. So I, I don't have a graduate qualification, but I have experience and I'm now, you know, I'm looking into getting a postgraduate qualification. And so those bursaries are available now, but they wouldn't have been five years ago for cultural management and the things that are within my lane and avenue of interest. So I think for me personally, it's worked out okay that Africa is a little bit behind in terms of understanding or promoting this kind of work because it met me at the right age in my life in real time. What an elegant response to a question. I'm really glad I asked at this point. Thank you so much, <laughs> Christine Msiwi. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me.